Thank you, Joe, for that. As you can see, we'll be in Luke chapter 19. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could just disappear? Like you could fall and nobody would hear? The pandemic has gone on for 10 months now. We have seen ups and downs. We have seen things open and close and open again. Many in our community, many in our neighborhoods, and I'm sure many even in this church feel exactly that way. And even with the, the vaccine out, we see that numbers are, are staying up and people are still concerned about being out and about. They are home. They are alone. They are isolated. And they begin to wonder if they even matter. If anybody in this community, if anybody even in this world knows they exist and cares that they exist. Throughout this month and, and hopefully throughout the year of 2021, we are calling our, the church, you, us, together to zoom in into our world, into our community, into our lives. In order to reach people like never before with the gospel. We're not talking about getting on airplanes and going across the world. We're not talking about getting in the church van and going to another state or another part of the country. We are calling each and every one of us to just look around. There's a reason that we are doing this. And it's not because we can't get a passport to Brazil. And it's not because... Gas prices have shot up or things are not safe. We are calling each and every one of us to zoom in into our world, into our community, quite simply because people are hurting. People are lonely. And people are longing to know that they matter. People don't know if anyone can see them or if anybody cares. We have to realize that we are surrounded by a people who are truly lost. And what is interesting, and one of the interesting side effects of having a pandemic and a quarantine and, and going through the things that we have been going through for the last 10 months, is that those people who are lost are actually starting to feel their lostness. They can't hide it through work or vacations. They can't cover it up with uh, traveling ball teams and, and, and even sports like we used to be able to. People are beginning to feel their lostness. 
And maybe for the very first time in their lives, they have a deep longing to be found. And so today I want to look at a passage of scripture. I want to look at an episode in Jesus' ministry. It is one that that we will probably see again um, as we do Sunday school and we are in the gospel of Luke. But I want to look at it today. And it's a famous story. It's a well-known story, but, but it's a fitting story. And that is found in Luke chapter 19. And we are going to be looking at Jesus' encounter with a man named Zacchaeus. We're going to be reading Zacchaeus chapter 19, or excuse me, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Luke tells us this. He says that he, he being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry And come down, or excuse me, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he hurried and he came down and he received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and he said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Please be seated. As we look at this passage, I want to kind of just take time and just look at all the the key players in the passage, because I think as we look at the people, that's going to help us to kind of zoom in and, and, and think about the world that we are in and the opportunity that we have before us. Now, I want to start by looking at the crowd. Because that that's a, is a major player. And it's interesting that we don't have any specifics. For once, the disciples are not named as the knuckleheads that are missing the point. And rather, it is just this huge crowd of people. Now, we are talking about, as we talk about zooming in, as we're talking about people who feel alone and lost. However, I think that all of us can agree, and I hope that you will understand today, that that sometimes people can feel alone and lost, even in the midst of a crowd. We see this in Zacchaeus himself. It is the crowd that really brings his lostness to the forefront. We see right off the bat, as, as this is all taking place, that Zacchaeus is overwhelmed by the crowd. 
He can't do what he wants to do. He can't see Jesus and, and see what he looks like and what he sounds like because there is a crowd that is holding him back and preventing him from even getting near to the Jesus that he wants to meet. In verse 7, we see how the crowd condemns Zacchaeus. They have already made up their mind about what kind of person he is. You'll notice that all of this happens in verse 7. It says, and then they saw. We don't know who they are apart from the crowd. It is the crowd that, that makes the whole situation seem hopeless for Zacchaeus. So much so that his only even hope of, of even getting near to Jesus is to run way far ahead and climb up in a tree so he can hope that maybe for just a moment he might be able to see Jesus through the branches and the leaves of the sycamore tree, knowing full well that he will never be able to get close enough to have a conversation with Jesus. He may get to see him. But it will not be a meaningful encounter. It is interesting how even today the crowd can make us feel even more alone. We look at social media. And we can bring up Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever else exists out there. And we can be immediately connected to hundreds, if not thousands of people that we have, for some reason or another, connected with in our lives. We can follow their stories. We can look at their pictures. We can see what they're doing. And yet we can have all this connectivity and yet feel alone. Often social media lies to us and, and communicates to us that everybody that we see on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, that their life is fun and happy and merry and that they're doing silly things and having lots of fun and they're smiling and traveling and doing so many great things and we're not doing any of those things and we feel like they must have it figured out and we don't. Maybe even a lost cause. Sometimes we even see our friends interacting and they're together. And we didn't even get that call or that invite. And so we're left home wondering why we did not qualify to spend time with people that we thought we were close to. We look to the news, mainstream media, even the newspaper. And we are, are in contact with all these things happening in the world. And we can see what's happening from here in E-Town up to Louisville to all across the United States and all across the globe. And yet so often because of the way the, the news is these days, we feel like the whole world has gone nuts. And because the whole world has gone nuts, we almost get the idea that it's just safer by ourselves. And so we don't venture out to even places like church for fear that we might catch a virus or some other tragedy may befall us. We are bombarded by images and comments that communicate to us that we are not welcome or that we could not hope to live up to the good th things that are happening in other people's lives. And just like in Zacchaeus' time, we seem to be surrounded by a world that stands in judgment against us. 
and we feel all of that pressure on us. Now, this is not a foreign concept to even Scripture. And in Psalm 118, we see uh, the psalmist communicate very interestingly through that passage. And he says statements like this. He says, all the nations surrounded me. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. They surrounded me like the bees. That, they, that you pushed me violently so that I was falling. There is a notion in the, in the psalmist's words that, that they feel overwhelmed and that they feel pushed around and beaten down by all those that would surround him and overwhelm him. Now, there's good news in that psalm as well, and I would encourage you to go and to read Psalm 118 in its entirety. However, we have to ask that question, have we ever felt this way? And have those that are watching online, have you ever felt that way? And do the people that you interact with on a daily basis because of work or social media, have they ever felt that way? I'm sure you have. I'm sure they do. And I know that I have. But take courage. Even when we feel all alone in the middle of nowhere, there is good news. So we shift our, our focus from the crowd to the main um, person besides Jesus in the passage. We, we think about who Zacchaeus is. And, and as we look in at Zacchaeus, we, we notice this kind of immediate description of him in, in the passage. And it says, you know, Jesus was going through Jericho. He was just passing through. And that there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. Here's what we learn about Zacchaeus. We learn that he is a chief tax collector, not just a tax collector. He is the tax collector boss, which means all the other tax collectors come to him to turn stuff in. So he is getting the, this is a tax collecting at this time was like a pyramid scheme. And everybody, everybody that the higher up you went, the more you could make and the more you could profit off of being a tax collector. Because of this, we get the second point that, that he was rich. That he was a wealthy man, that he lived quite well in Jericho. Now, what's interesting for us in the 21st century is, is when we think of someone that is described as he is the guy in charge and he has a lot of money. We think that's a good thing. We're like, well, this guy sounds great. He's probably a lot of fun. He's got money. You know, if you're thinking about the pandemic, he's probably the one that had a pool in the summer and he is living large with his big screen TV now and has all of his Netflix, HBO Max, all that stuff. He's probably got a bunch of land. And so if he wants to go out and go hunting, he can go hunting. This guy is doing great. He's not someone that we're going to think as someone who is lost and feeling his lostness. In fact, judging by his success and his wealth, he is probably a guy who has his stuff together. How on earth do we look at someone like Zacchaeus as being an example of the lost and the marginalized? In fact, if we were really honest, if we were thinking about evangelism in general, we might view this one as someone that would be harder to reach because they think or that we would think they think that they have their life together and that they are content and satisfied. And so when we would come to them and say, hey, you need to be saved, that you are lost, they'd go, Psh, I'm good. I'm fine. 
what they call up in Indiana, I mentioned a few weeks ago, the good guy complex. I'm okay. I'm a good guy. I've been successful. I, get to, I, I donate money here and there, and, and I've never murdered anybody. Surely God is okay with me. And yet, this man, Zacchaeus, that we meet in the passage, he was so deeply impacted by the crowds and so deeply affected and so aware of his lostness that he had to see Jesus. Had to see Jesus so much that he was willing to climb in a tree to go way far out of his way and do something that would have been rather undignified for a chief tax collector who had a lot of money. And we have to ask ourselves, why is this? Well, Jewish culture was a little bit different than our culture today. In our culture, in Western culture today, we view something like being successful and earning a substantial amount of money or a substantial, a substantial amount of wealth as, as something to be praised, something to be encouraged. Those type of people, with very few exceptions, are viewed as important people in society. They keep the economy going. They employ people. In this case of Zacchaeus, he had a good, well-paying government job. If we were being fleshly, we would say this is a guy who's going to tithe and is going to is going to really make people think well of our church. We'd view them as a contributor to society. And someone who helps the overall well-being of our neighborhoods. However, in Jewish culture, it mattered a lot more about how you got that money. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In fact, he was practically a tax collector's tax collector. He is one who had risen the ranks to the point that he had people underneath him. And what he earned and the, and the wealth that he had got was earned by taking advantage of his own people. Other Jews and other people from his, you know, literally his family and his heritage. He took advantage of them in order to work for and serve those who would have been considered their captors. The occupying nation, the enemy of Israel, which was Rome. So Zacchaeus, though rich and well off, was actually an outsider to all of society. Kicked out of society as a whole. This was a man that would not have been welcome in the synagogue, not invited to religious festivals or a part of, of just the normal ebb and flow of society. He was always, always, always a thorn in the side of Jericho. He was the Ebenezer Scrooge of his town. And though he was there and he was part of the society, no one wanted him there and no one liked him there. He was ignored and he probably did feel invisible. He was made to feel unworthy. And I want you to think about this because he was viewed as a traitor. He was left to feel as though he was unworthy, even of God's grace and forgiveness. He couldn't go and hear what the Bible said. He couldn't go and experience the community that came with the synagogue in his time. He was told, you don't even belong in the presence of God. I have no doubt he probably felt, felt as though 
that if he disappeared tomorrow, that no one would even notice or care. Now, I'll be honest. I think all of us can identify with that in some way, shape, or form. Whether they're listening online or whether they're out there in the world longing to hear the good news of the gospel or whether it is us sitting in this room now, there are times in our lives, and hopefully not every day, but maybe, where we feel like we don't matter. Where we feel like if we just disappeared, no one would notice. There are times in all of our lives where we feel as though society looks us over and does not hear what we have to say. That we somehow don't fit the mold that someone that someone else thinks we should fit into. That there's this notion or this idea that that your life put together looks like this and we don't look like that. Maybe it's because of our upbringing. Maybe it's because of where we grew up, how we grew up. We feel like we don't fit in. And oftentimes we feel in some way, shape or form that that we that this is where society is and we're somewhere underneath them. And we'll never be accepted by society. We all can feel like we don't belong. And that we are all alone. That we are messed up and broken in a world that does not want us to be there. And I kind of want you to understand something about that feeling. If you're feeling that right now, or you watching online are feeling that all right, feeling that right now, I I want you to understand something. It's okay. And the reason why, I'm not saying it's okay and that, well, just suck it up and deal with it. I'm not saying it that way. I want you to understand something is that this is when Jesus steps into our lives. When we feel like we are down and out, when we feel like nobody cares, when we feel like, like, like no one sees and no one cares, I want you to hear what Jesus says in those situations. In Matthew, we see these words, seeing the people. Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest and send out workers into his harvest. When you feel like nobody sees you, I want you to take confidence. I want you to take courage that there is one who sees you and that there is one who cares for you and that that one who sees you and cares for you is sending the church to you. In Zacchaeus' lowest point, ironically, his lowest point is when he's high up in the air in a tree. The Savior walks into his life. It says that Jesus had entered into the city of Jericho and that as the crowd had formed around him and he was walking, that it was so loud that that Zacchaeus could not even get close to him. 
And so he climbs up in that tree just hoping to, to catch a glimpse of this Jesus that's supposed to be a big deal. But here is what Jesus does in that situation. Even though Jesus is surrounded by people that the, the flow is, is moving him through town. And even though he is the center of all attention and the spotlight is fully on him, Jesus pierces through the crowd. And that even though Zacchaeus cannot get to Jesus, Jesus comes straight to Zacchaeus. It says that Zacchaeus went on ahead and he climbed up in the tree and he's probably looking through the branches and looking through the tree. And as he is looking through all of these things, suddenly he hears a voice. It says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus. Jesus not only was going through town, but when that tree came up, imagine what you were thinking if you were a disciple for just a second. Imagine if you're like, you're like body, bodybuilder, John, fisherman, bouncer, moving through. All right, make way, make way, make way, make way. Jesus, there's a tree there. Jesus, Jesus there's a tree there. Jesus, there's, what are you doing, Jesus? That's a tree. Hi, right, look at that. You have no idea what he's doing and he's on the road. And yet some reason he takes this detour away from the road to go to a tree. Jesus pierced through the crowd to reach Zacchaeus. Not only does Jesus pierce through the crowd to reach Zacchaeus, but Jesus sees what nobody else saw. It wasn't, no one was looking up for a tax collector in a tree. That's not usually how they came to your house. No one was expecting Jesus to take notice of someone that was climbing in a tree. I imagine normally the people in the trees were probably children. And children were not exactly deemed important in this day and age. And so they would have just passed on through. And yet Jesus sees the invisible. And instead of ignoring the man that others often ignored and always ignored, Jesus called him by name. We have no idea how, Zacchaeus, how he knew Zacchaeus' name. No idea. He didn't wear a name tag. It's highly unlikely that they passed by the tax collector booth and Jesus noticed that it was a little bit shorter than the average size tax collector booth. I'll tell you what, if I get to heaven and I find out Zacchaeus and I are the same tight, I'm going to be a little upset. And then he saw a short grind of tree and he said, hey, I saw a short tax collector thing back there that said his name was Zacchaeus. I bet you're Zacchaeus. I don't think any of that happened. I think he knew Zacchaeus. Because he was there when he was made. And as the Bible says, when his inward parts were formed and molded, Jesus, God the Son, knew him. And knew that he was being created for this moment. And then Jesus pursues a relationship with someone who could have been considered condemned and unworthy. Jesus not only calls Zacchaeus by name, but he says, come down for I'm staying with you today. What an amazing moment. A man who was alone, isolated, unwanted, 
and not very much liked, was still invited by Jesus to be in his presence. All this leads to the ultimate reality of this passage, and that is that Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. It says that Zacchaeus jumped down and and received him gladly. And I can't even imagine the joy and the excitement to know that this man who is, if anything, what he believed at this point was this man who is quite famous and wants to come and stay at his house. And he's so excited. And as soon as he receives him with gladly, it says, and they, that crowd we talked about, begins to grumble and complain and say, why on earth would he want anything to do with someone like Zacchaeus? I'll be honest, I fear that sometimes even we as the church respond that same way. What are they doing in our building? Oh Lord, why are they going forward? Oh boy, who is that who just walked through the door? But look how Zacchaeus responds. He could have responded to the grumbling by ignoring it as he had been ignored a thousand times before. He could have responded to the grumbling by grumbling right back at them or gossip, trying to gossip to Jesus and run them down. But instead, Zacchaeus responds to the grumbling by repenting of his former lifestyle and giving his wealth away. Hearing the grumbles, it says that Zacchaeus stopped and said, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. See, repentance for Zacchaeus did not just mean saying I'm sorry, but the repentance for Zacchaeus meant that I am turning away from what I have done and I am going to reject the benefit I have got from my sinful life and I am going to trust you completely. I want you to think for just a moment. Let's contrast Zacchaeus to the rich young ruler. For as far as we know, the rich young ruler whose name we don't learn, might I add, As far as we know, everything he got, he got legally. Maybe as an inheritance for family or maybe from shrewd and and, and being a successful businessman. And yet when Jesus came to him and Jesus told him, if you want to inherit eternal life, the only thing that you lack is to sell everything, give it to the poor and follow me. And it says that the rich young ruler went away grieving. But this rich tax collector, the moment he realized his life was about to be totally transformed by Jesus, he said, Jesus, I will give all of it away if it means that I get to follow you. His actions are a sign that he is doing what we have been called to do in the gospel message that we talk about. If we, if we can, Mary Jo, bring up the three circles on there. And the three circles, remember that, that the, re, the three circles start with God's design for our life. And, and, and when we think about Zacchaeus and, and what he is called to do and who he is called to be, he knows that he has departed from God's design, that he is a sinner because he has taken a job that, that inherently implied that he was going to steal and take advantage of his fellow people. That command to love your neighbor as yourself is not present in his life. 
And so automatically we know that Zacchaeus, he is aware of his sinfulness, which means he is aware of his brokenness. And that you guys, by now, you don't need to have all this stuff on here. You should just know it. He is aware of his brokenness. He's so aware of his brokenness that he has that immediate response when he hears the people remind them of his brokenness. Now, he had tried to fix his brokenness through his money and through his wealth and through his job. That's how he'd become the chief tax collector. That's how he had become wealthy because he had tried to do everything he could to cover up the feelings of brokenness that he had in his life. He did it by exerting power and authority on other people. He did it by rising up in the ranks. He did it by probably enjoying the things that come with wealth, food and wine, nice clothing and fake company. But the gospel had just entered his life. And the gospel had entered his life through a person named Jesus. Could it be? Could it be that this man passing through Jericho today? Could it be that he is the son of God? That he is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world? That son of God knew his name. And that son of God called him into a relationship with him. And because he did that, is that me or you? He believed. And not only did he believe, but he repented and believed. He came down and he gladly received Jesus to himself. And in receiving Jesus to himself, he repented of his former life and his former ways. And he said, from now on, I will follow Jesus. And I will turn from the things that led me to brokenness. And I will make Jesus the Lord of my life. Jesus' compassion towards Zacchaeus pierced through all of his defenses and revealed to him that he was broken, but he was not beyond salvation and the love of God. And that even someone like Zacchaeus could be restored and begin to pursue God's will for his life. I imagine the people who lived in Jericho that day thought that Zacchaeus was one of the worst. And yet we hear the words of Paul in 1 Timothy when he says, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. But it goes on. And I want you to hear this because it says, yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me, the foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. You are not beyond saving. They are not beyond saving. We are not beyond saving. But we should look as Jesus looks. We should pierce through the noise and the crowd and the rhetoric like Jesus did. We should see as Jesus sees. We should have compassion as Jesus had compassion. And we should point others into a relationship with Christ. I love what Jesus says in verse 9. 
when he says, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. And that's not just talking about his, his Jewish descent, but rather it is talking about the fact that, that Zacchaeus, because of his faith in Christ, had been ushered into a family. See, Zacchaeus gave up the crowd and received a family. Ephesians 2.19 says, So then there's no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Guys, we all feel alone sometimes. But God continues to call us and call a lost world into his family so that we can experience the sense of family that we have here as a church. There's a world out there desperately longing to belong. And we, through the gospel of Christ, have the answer. So let those lonely feelings wash away. Maybe there's a reason that you'll be okay. Because when you and when they don't feel strong enough to stand, you can reach reach out your hand and oh Jesus will come running let's pray our gracious God and King we thank you so much for your word God we thank you for reminders like Zacchaeus that you are in the business of saving hard to reach people God for most of us the people that you are calling us to reach aren't in a tree but they're at our workplace. They are in our families. They are in the groups that we socialize with. They're on our social media friends list or followers list. And God, they are feeling the same things that Zacchaeus felt. And they are feeling the same things that, that we feel. And God, some of them are even in this room right now. And God, we know what you are calling us to do. That you are calling all of us to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to cry out and to make Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. That you are calling us to take this gospel message to those who desperately need to hear it. So God, we pray that you would save us. We pray that you would cause us to see clearly. And we pray that you would use us to point people towards Christ. God, we ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen.